I'm Jody Whites, Results and Success Coach, and these podcasts teach you how to make significant changes to live your dreams, make a positive impact on the world, and drop your regrets. It's time for you to get spectacular. Welcome back to Your Spectacular Life. I'm Jody Whites, your professional and life coach, making sure that your life is nothing less than spectacular. I'm here with Jill Phillips. Hi, Jill. Hi, pleasure being here, Jody. Thank you. I'm excited for this interview. Let me tell you a little bit about Jill. Jill Phillips is a family storyteller with a passion to inspire families to connect through the telling of their past. She started life on Lamlash Street in London, emigrated to Canada, where she obtained her master's degree and spent 30 years working as an occupational therapist and hospital manager. Motivated by her family's experiences in 1960s London, Jill shares their stories to celebrate a time of close family connections in difficult life situations and a way of life which is fondly remembered. Oh, that is lovely. What a what an interesting topic, Jill. Um, now I know family sounds like it motivated to you to do this, but why why that time? Why that time when you were ten years old in London? Um, it, it was it just sort of fell into place, really. Um, Lamlash Street was a place where I grew up. We moved away when I was around 11, 12 years old, but I have really fond remembrances because we were surrounded by family. Um, my auntie and uncle were lived downstairs from us, a multi-generational family home. And I think I had about two or 300 family members within a My. probably a minute walk because wow. we'd all grown up in that area and, um, People didn't really move, they weren't very mobile in those days, um, partly because um, they didn't have many qualifications. So once you had a job, you had a job for life, that sort of thing. Um, but somehow there was a certain magic and fondness about those days. And um, whenever we were at weddings or other family events, um, the aunts and uncles would talk about, mainly the aunts really, about those days. Um, there was something about that time which seemed magical to me almost and so I thought you know what I would love to actually write about that time um and I'm so glad I did because it really did bring back the magic for me um it was a special time as I said with close family connections which we don't have anymore it's it mm. was of those days that sort of thing mm. that that sounds wonderful and I'm just you know so impressed two to three hundred family members i mean what, what any of us grow up with maybe grandparents and aunts and uncles and that's it you know um it sounds like you loved it now it sounds sounds magical but when you were growing up did it feel like everybody knew your business and knew you and it was a bit claustrophobic um well 
back in those days, children should be seen and not heard was the thing you were told <laughs> day in, day out. So <sighs> to be perfectly honest, compared to now, you had no rights as a child. So you, you know, if you had any thoughts, you kept them to yourself. You certainly didn't <laughs> discuss them with any family members. So, um, so we were almost told what to think. It was that sort of environment. But then again, I, and I was talking to my cousin about this the other day. If I was the only person being um, told that, that's one thing. But the reality was, you talk to your cousins, that yeah, yeah, no, I'm getting the same message. So it was just normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that for me, it was just um, we really didn't have an opinion on anything. But it, it wasn't a good, what I really loved about it, though, was even when my parents or my mother was upset about, oh, Jill, you should have done this, or why haven't mm-hmm. you done that? I could go to my aunt and say, uh, Auntie, um, mum's talking about and I didn't understand what mum was getting upset about and she oh don't worry I'll go and talk to your mother Mm. or I could go to my cousins I just said there was a lot of um, emotional support from all of the family members Um, so around us kids uh, the children we really were looking for that support I think probably in terms of the aunts and uncles the adults they probably felt that everybody knew everybody's business and they did and everyone (laughs) had a very strong opinion about their business as well (laughs) um so uh, but as children being you know 10 years old we weren't even asked if we had any opinion about anything um we in fact we were were told um um uh, if we were in in an adult environment and we were just sitting there listening because they were talking about things suddenly one of the adults would think oh the children are here and we were told to leave the room and you said that yeah in your book you said it was so funny because you said you had like a one to two minute listening window and then somebody would notice you and then they'd go out out (laughs) you know so that that was great yeah so it it does sound like the adults really did want to keep things to yourself that the, the times were different you know it was all about this is our opinion we're going to guide the lives and you know what also i found very interesting in the book i really loved it was your mom was always trying to push dolls and girly things on you and you were a tomboy tell me tell us a little bit about that yeah, I, I think I broke my mother's heart really in that sense. And um, because when I was born, I had this blonde, curly hair, blue eyes. She dressed me in big, you know, poofy dresses, lovely organza dresses or whatever the material was. Um, and uh, yeah, so in her eyes, she had a girl. Then three years later, my brother came along, so had a girl and a boy. So the boy did certain things, like the man, and the girl did certain other things. Well, she bought me this. Um, this baby carriage. It wasn't even a stroller. It was like a carriage, but in miniature. And um, she brought me these, this doll. It, I think it was fairly expensive, and but I, I didn't actually like the thing. I thought it was useless because <laughs> I mean, what do you do with this thing, right? <laughs> right. And so, um, so nine times out of ten, they, the, the way the um, the baby carriage was, there was uh, like a um, uh, pieces on. It was it was um, what, oh bassinet. They called bassinet. So it had like uh, a, a, a yes. round bottom. Yeah. And then over the top, it was like a, a cardboard thing. And then the doll would go on top. 
Um, but I used to pick up the cardboard piece, hide the doll underneath and put the cardboard back and, and pretend I didn't have a doll at all. And I used to, <laughs> used to just sit in the hallway. I mean, I used to oh, sit by the front funny. door so it was there so I could take the doll out in its pram anytime I wanted to. But no, it just sat there and collected dust. I was far more interested in my Lego bricks and I loved my electric train set. Um, Yeah, and you had your own. um, And I loved also you had those little racing cars and used to race with your brother. Um, Now, how did you convince your mom to at least accept that part of you or or maybe not you just you know if you wanted the train how did you get that from her well i, I just well be you had to sort of you know like most parents you have to sort of work on them right so <laughs> every opportunity you know right. it's the woodpecker approach right so I, <laughs> by the way mom. so we were going to say hamley's over in regent street the toy store and I said, oh, look at that. And you have this fantastic train sets there with the, the trees and the, the landscaping, mm-hmm. huge, great things. Oh, isn't that good? So I would say how enthusiastic I was about all these things. Like, oh, I just love that. Isn't that mm-hmm. nice? And so then Christmas came along. And Mum loved Christmas as well. And so, uh, so are you going to tell Santa Claus now what's on your list? Of course, train was on my list. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think what she decided to do that she couldn't just ignore it completely mm. and so she thought it was more of a blended approach so okay she wants this train so I guess we'll have to give her that but I'll give her this 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 and this and, issue. <laughs> okay. give her doll clothes and the train and maybe the dolls can ride on the train who knows you <laughs> know mix <laughs> and match here right <laughs> and then we oh. do though um I I Asked for um cowboy outfits were really big oh. like cowboy hats and that and yeah. all of the, the you know the, the um so they were really big in, in the day and I said I'd love a cowboy outfit and Mum said oh okay I'll see what I can do anyway I got a cowgirl outfit which meant it ah. had a skirt not trousers and my brother got the gun but I didn't actually get the gun she was holding out halfway well, she was holding it we both were <laughs> yeah exactly just not on the same page yeah. um getting back uh, you know to Lamlash Street the name of your book um you know there was a lot of talk about post-world war ii of course it so much affected everybody in london tell um, our listeners what you noticed how it affected your direct family your maybe your mom dad uncle and auntie um well it's only 18 years after world war ii which is nothing at all really like just 18 years ago um and mum and mum and aunts, because they were very close, they and, and Aunt Mary as well, always used to be talking about the wartime. Every time they got together, a cup of tea, they'd be sitting at a table somewhere, smoking around the cigarettes, talking about everyone in the family, but also talking about those days. So we heard them over and over and over again, which is probably why I remember them so clearly, and I could write about them in the book. Um, but for example, my mother and my aunt Ellen, um, they were evacuated as children during the war because they were uh, 10 and 13. And they were evacuated, which meant that they were sent away from London because of the Blitz bombing. There were too many bombs in London. So they sent the children away. Firstly, they went to a place in Wales, which is in the west coast of um, England. 
And the second year it was it was uh, near in Kent, so it was much nearer. Um, but according to mum, she said that they were treated very badly. Um, the family they were put with, because remember there was no vetting of families. It wasn't yeah. as if you were a foster child and people carefully vetted, um, you know, the families to make sure it was appropriate. No, no, they were just basically anybody who was willing to take a child was given one basically mm-hmm. um, yeah. so and was it was very people. common I think we all heard of kids being put on a train and being sent out to the countryside for their safety and it sounds like this is what happened to your mom and aunt yeah and, and according to mom the story was that um, they were basically fed on bread and jam that whole year mm. apart from there were visits two or three times a year from the local people to make sure that they were being treated well. Well, of course, they knew when they were coming. So in those days, they got a huge meal. But the rest of the time, um, they were just had, you know, bare essentials. Mm. And so my mother has a very negative view of that, of that time, which, which you can understand. Sure. And unfortunately, it was only for a year. Um, and then they were switched into another family. She said they were very nice. They were the mm. farm people, treated them extremely well. Um, but it was still quite a, um, a difficult thing to deal with. For example, um, when my mother was with this nice uh, farm people, they were coming back from school, my mother and my aunt, and they were strafed. They were fired on by a, a World War II fighter pilot from the yeah. Nazis. Um, oh, and it was the second time it happened to them. It happened to them once in London on the way back from school. And then again, then, and I don't think, to be honest, they ever got over that trauma. My mum was always a very um, nervous person, in, mm. but she always on the go sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there was no counselling in those days. It must have been very difficult to, to deal with any of those things. And, and my father, um, he wasn't evacuated during the war. I think he, I remember that his mother um, sent him away for like six weeks and, and she wasn't happy with something. So he came back into London. So he spent most of his um, early years, uh, early teenage years, watching bombs drop oh. in London, watching the place, you know, it, it's a war, war zone. Oh, yeah. It was. How do you think um, that affected him, um, at least, you know, as, as you knew him or noticed or were old enough to say, this is this is different or or dad is not comfortable how do you think that went off again my dad was a very uh, nervous person um he never really trusted anybody mm. i don't think he ever really got over that that trauma from the war um mm. the rest of my family didn't seem to be too bad and not, not that i was aware of anyway but my parents seemed to somehow been the more vulnerable um to the the impact of war and um, I mean, he, he had no toys. He was his his mother was terribly poor. His father was um, a violent alcoholic who disappeared when my father was just seven years old. It was mm-hmm. a really rough, rough time, and it wasn't that uncommon either in those days, sadly. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah, no, he never really recovered. I don't think. Yeah, you know, mum tried her best, and they they tried their best in their own ways, and they did provide well for us. Myself and my brother, we were always provided for um so they 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 did what they could but it it was a very tough time so it did impact on on all everyone in the family yeah absolutely you know I can imagine now um and you know bombs are being dropped on you and people are a a plane a jet plane is shooting at you and I can't you know just unbelievable um Looking at your response from that, when you heard these stories over and over again, and you know, again, as an adult, we can, 
we can understand that they're downloading, they're reliving, they're they're trying to process this part of their life. Um, how did you take that? Did you just say, oh, another war story, we've heard it a hundred times, or did you feel yourself closing up? Did you feel yourself having compassion? Um, I think I, I, by the time I finished the book, I had a better understanding of what they'd been through. Mm. Um, one of the reasons was that, um, okay, number one, I could remember the stories because, as I mentioned earlier, they'd been repeated so often. Um, the other thing that was happening at the same time, my, my father was at the early stages of Alzheimer's. So, mm. that, I, 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 and also, my, um, there are, of the 12 brothers and sisters on my mother's side and her family, they're only my mother and her sister left. So I had seen over the years wow. that the, the family members had, had died off, basically. Goodness. And so I think um, that's in, in combination with with the other things is it made me realise that these stories weren't going to be around forever. So I was really, I really wanted to get them down on paper. And the other thing that happened is so I, a lot of it was through phone calls in the early days, call mum and say, do you remember the time when um, we had those amazing Christmas parties at Lanash Street? Mm. Oh, yes, she said, yes, they were great. And we did this. And she'd give me a lot more detail. So we had a lot of conversations around the events of that time. And through those conversations and asking questions, and of course, now I'm, as you say, an adult, I can see things differently. Mm. I really began to understand more about the struggles they had. Um, I learned a lot of details about my dad's upbringing, which were horrendous, even more so than my mum's. Um, and I, it really, I, I answered a lot of questions that I didn't know I had in a sense, mm. um, because I'd always resented the fact, I thought, well, why did we move from Lamash? It was a great time. We had all the family members there mm. and all this sort of thing. And then once I started talking to mum about it, over, it took me a couple of years to write the book to get it finished. I realized that really she had no choice, life was changing and that's why she had to make some difficult decisions. Um, but I did have, at the end of it, I did have a lot more compassion and understanding about mm. what my dad had been through. He still wasn't an easy man at times to, to, to be with, but I understood where he had come from. And also my chosen career at that time, um, as you, you mentioned, I was an occupational therapist, but I was also working in the mental health field mm. for the first five or six years of my career. And so I, I knew about trauma and so on. So I had that background as well. And I think that helps me to really understand the trauma he'd been through. Um, I know later in life, one of the social workers had picked up on the fact that dad wasn't coping too well. And a lot of it stems back to those days. And she said, to him, look, I really think it'd be beneficial for you and your family if you had some counselling. And mm. he said, no, I'm not doing that. Only people with yellow stripes down their back. Somebody was a coward. <laughs> would take counselling. I thought, okay, I get it. And, and my yeah. dad left school when he was 13, so he wasn't highly educated. Yeah. So so I did understand a lot more at the end of it. Yeah, that's great. And, and you know, just writing this book again, at that time, again, being, being 10, and really sharing the story, sharing the family, I bet, you know, that, that's very healing for you because just being in that environment a lot of positive stuff i love 
the way you open the book with a party at Christmas of about one to 200 people. Thanks, mom, celebrating. But again, it, it when, you know, being just part of that emotional downloading can affect you. I'm sure that it was great to process your thoughts on paper with this great story. It was, yeah. And uh, what I'm really happy about as well is that it's all written down. So mm. I start to get to the point where I can't quite remember. <laughs> um, it's there. Everything is documented. It's there. And uh, the fir- very first Christmas after the book was published, I think it's November, it was published. Um, everybody had a copy of my book as Christmas gift. Oh, <laughs> perfect. So, and and they, those... they get to have those memories too. That's perfect. Well, that's right. Yes. And, and, and even if, you know, they, they think, oh, and just throw it to one side. I mean, it, you know, I'm, I'm sure people read it, but if, even if the worst comes to the worst and they don't, it's still there. It's still part of their lives. They still know there's, there's lots of stories there about the family history. So, and I, I remember saying this to mum because mum passed on um, from COVID um, about uh, six months after the book was, was published. Um, but I, I remember, actually, I was so happy that mum had read the book before oh, she went. Yes, of course. Um, yeah. I can still remember she was, it was, it was a manuscript phase it was. So I, I, I had these papers everywhere because um, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm a paper and pencil person at some point mm-hmm. for editing, right? And so the papers everywhere. And she said, oh, is that your book? I said, yes. Yeah. She said, I said, would you like to read it? Oh, yeah. And she, she sat there. I think she sat there for like three and a half hours, whatever it was, and just flipping through the pages. And mm. I was handing them to her. I don't know how far she was reading. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I gave her the um, the book and she, she smiled from ear to ear the whole time because I guess it reminded her of those days. So sure. Yeah, and, and the fact that that she could relive them again with you and also knowing that, somebody in the family had captured um again the memories the people the characters you know and everything they went through and again um talking about the war and how that affected them so that's um that's a beautiful gift that that you gave her in uh, sharing this and, and taking the time to write it um, yeah, but it was a pleasure because, I mean, in a sense, yes, a lot of it was about, it was basically stories about me and mum, really. I mean, which mm-hmm. I didn't understand. That's the way it turned out. But it also, I have really nice, warm memories of, you know, going to school and my friends at school. And um, and so, um, for me, it's it's been good as well because I, I can, anytime I want to, I can just open the book and, and, and read mm-hmm. through all those, those times. And... Uh, yeah, I was, it, it wasn't something, I didn't plan to write the book. It wasn't something I said, you know, I'm going to be an author, you know, I'm going to write mm. this book. No, there's nothing like that. What happened was um, my um, my uncle, um, Uncle George, who, well, he lived downstairs with us back in Lamlash Street, and then they went off, and then eventually they they lived just across the road from my parents, which is just across from where I'm sitting right now, by coincidence. <laughs> And my uncle, um, my auntie had already passed on. My uncle um, had died suddenly. I mean, he was 90, but he he fell and within a few days was gone. Um, and so we're going through his um, his flat to clear things out, myself and my brother. And I came across this book and my uncle had said to me just about, I think it was about two months before um, we were over in England from Canada just to, to see everyone. 
that he'd uh, written some stories of down about his time during World War Two. I was like, oh, that, that's a nice uncle. Mm. It was a very thin book, had about 20 pages in it. Mm. Um, and, I, and then I was going through all his things and I came across this very book. Mm. And I thought, so wouldn't that be nice if Uncle's stories were turned into a book? So I, I talked to some people about it and this, that and that. I said, well, why don't you talk about your uncle's stories and roll them into the book, which is what I've done. So it yes, which is World War II. Yep. I've read um, that. And so you can talk about Longlash Street in the 60s and flashback to your uncle's time as well. So so I was so, so happy that I had that opportunity. I could take what he had written down and I'm, I'd like to think he knows and it's now a published book. I'm so yeah. happy about that. Mm, and that that's great. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, your uncle wasn't around, but everybody who you've talked to in order to get the stories and check the accuracy and figure out what, what their own stories and viewpoints were got to relive um, got to relive those times as well. So another gift given to them. So um, that that's great. I mean, and again, it's it is, you know, post war 1960, just an, a very interesting different time. London was certainly in England of a whole in transition. Um, just uh, as you say, the Beatles were on um, <laughs> the newspaper daily. What fun that is. Um, yes, that's right. It's funny. So, yes, my mum and dad would say it. So, so yeah, the, the Beatles were on the front page of the newspaper in those yeah. years all the time. Oh, and mum and dad said, they can't sing, you know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I was chatting to a friend of mine about the same era. And and they, they said, you know, my parents said the Beatles couldn't sing. I said, that's funny. That's what my parents said. <laughs> <laughs> they all used to like, you know, Frank Sinatra or this crooning right. and orchestra. And of course, the Beatles came along. It was completely different. But, yeah. uh, okay. but I would say yeah, there's one thing that I'd just like to emphasize yeah. is that I always love to do is um, when I wrote this book, I didn't realize how much it's going to pay me back um, in terms mm -hmm. of, say, the connection with family, understanding the family. And also, not only that, but I've documented the family history for that piece of, of, of our, our lives. Um, and I, I, if anyone is thinking of writing their own family history, do it because it's so much more than writing a story. Yes, you document your family life, but you get to talk to your family about the good old days and the things you did, and you get so much closer and you understand so much more. And then when you see looks on your family members' faces when they, they like you said, are reliving those days, it, it really brings it home to you that it's a really worthwhile thing what you've done. Um, and it's such a satisfying thing. I think it's one of them. I mean, I've written, I've done a thesis, I've got my master's degree, done all that lovely stuff. But that was just words on a page. This really has real meaning because it's a tribute to my family, my mum and dad, my, my, my grandparents and to my uncle and auntie. It's a tribute to the family. Um, and, it, and like I say, it's always going to be there. It's not mm. going to disappear, you know. Mm. So so if anyone is even thinking about, oh, maybe I should write a book about my family. Oh, but no, no, I can't do it. Just start writing it down. It's so well, well worth it. Um, you get so much more back than you ever, ever think you will. Those are, are great inspirational words. And um, just hearing you say that, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. Again, you have it forever. And you've brought you've brought joy 
to other members of your family's lives, just, just and spending time with them to do that. I mean, when in our lives now, do we have time just to sit down and spend a couple of afternoons or a week with family members, just to write a book and chat about old times? I mean, that's a beautiful thing in itself. It is, and it gives them a sense of contributing as well. So it's so what the words they gave me, um, I took them and, and rolled them into a story. Um, but they they see they're being valued. Their lives were valued. Mm. Um, um, they're, they're, it's almost like getting credit for what they've done, if you'd like, in that sense. Um, so it's um, yes, yeah, it's, it's it's it has so many benefits. So many benefits. It's not about selling books. You're not going to make a small fortune. It's not about that. It's all about the real things in life. It's all about people um, being given credit for all that hard work that they've done. I mean, if it wasn't for what my mother did, um, you know, in terms of moving into where we are now, just on the outskirts of London, and making sure we did our homework and Mm -hmm. then made sure we moved on in life. And if it wasn't for all those things, um, we wouldn't be here now. I would have a hard time starting from scratch. So we, to use an academic phrase, we, we, build on the shoulders of giants. We always are relying on what's come before us to help us with our future. And um, that's that's what the book does for me. It, it shows me that because of my mum's focus, and she was very focused, a very <laughs> A very <laughs> strong, <laughs> principled woman. Yes, <laughs> is, yes. And, and it may have sneaked in through the family genes a little bit. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, and thankfully, because you get to pick what you want and let go of well, what... My daughter tells me that. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. But then again, I think that apple doesn't fall that far from the tree. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing so, like so, yeah, our kids... Is- Knowing their parents and stating that. Well, (laughs) um, Jill, um, how can people get a hold of your book? Where can they go to? Okay, it's on Amazon. Um, It's on Amazon UK, CA Canada, and 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 uh, the US as well. So just go. It's such an unusual name, Lamlash, L A M L A S H, Lamlash Street. You just go to Amazon, Lamlash Streets, and actually, even if you Google it, it pops up almost immediately um, because it's it's such an, it's actually named after a, a village in the north of Scotland. <laughs> That's where it comes from, which I didn't know until I did the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so, so you can get it on Amazon. And I also have a website with some family photos on it, which mm. give you some context. And it's jmphillipsauthor.com. So that will get you to my um, my webpage. And then from there, you can this Facebook page as well as links off of there. Great. But, and uh, yeah. yeah, Phillips, I just want to point out is double L P H I L L I P S. So That's yeah, J M Phillips author dot com. Yeah. Yeah. And Jill, I just want to thank you so much for your time and talking about your book and and all the benefits and uh, gifts it has brought you by writing that and what you told our listeners to get out on your own path and write your own memoirs and how valuable that was. Yeah, just write down a few stories. Don't think you're Shakespeare, just think you're writing down a few notes and that's how it starts. (laughs) That's great. 
Well, thank you, Jill, and um, you take care. It's been lovely. Thank you very much. My pleasure. I'm so grateful that you've listened to the end of this podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review it, and share it with your friends. I love teaching insights so that you can have a more impactful and meaningful life. It's my mission to build a thriving community of happy, fulfilled people. Want more? Visit my website at yourspectacularlife.com.